So why didn't you sing that, like, at our wedding? Did I sing at all at the wedding? No, you hid from everybody. <laughs> That's correct. That is correct. Okay. I thought they spelled bad on the outside. A show that is not at all like a hurricane in any conceivable way. It is it is distinctly non-windly, non-windy, and not even really weather. It, it It's just an audio show. My name is Scott. And I'm Sam dealing with a snorfully bulldog who actually does sound like a hurricane. No, he just smells like a wharf. <laughs> can't help it. He's just a little guy. That's your story, huh? That's my excuse, and I'm sticking to it. Fair enough. I can appreciate your excuse. Couple points of business. We have, uh, both of us are doing Extra Life yet again. It's a 25-hour video game marathon for the Children's Hospital. Oh dear God, um, is it really 25 again this year? Yeah, it's, it's the same day as Daylight Saving Time again. No. Yeah, I no. Mean, yeah. Sure, because for the kids. And yeah, stuff. Sam, you're you're doing this to earn the monies. Donate the monies to us, or you can still join our team. We like team members too. We we do like that. So please raise money for children's, or really snorkely bulldogs. Take your pick. The no charity money goes to bulldogs <laughs> at all. Don't don't <laughs> don't listen to me. Don't don't mistake that for any claim of any kind. <laughs> okay, if you donate to us. We will send you a picture of Brutus. That is fair. That is exactly true. Because we all like Brutus, and he's the cutest thing since sliced bread. And he will model for you, so... Sliced bread is not cute. Do not listen to Sam. (laughs) I'm tired. I got up at five this morning. So did I, but I can hold my shit together. Well, I can't. Anyways... Pay a week! Well, first, uh, second point oh, of business there's is... there's another point of business. Yeah, I said two points. I specifically announced two points <laughs> of business. Rewind, like a minute ago, you'll hear me say two points. I was hoping And then you'll won. be like, ha ha, Scott is right and Sam is wrong. And everything is awesome. And then you'll listen to us give our spiel about donating the extra, extra life again. Which you should do. But, everything uh, is awesome. So... <laughs> <laughs> Second business is we do have uh, our beer tasting episode coming up, so in the comments down below or tweet at us where questions that we will answer after we've had a few. It's always good fun. It is good fun. If, if you don't ask us questions, we'll make something up or steal them from question threads from other shows. Done! I don't know where we're going to get these questions from. It, steal you know from what? game critics. No. I like stealing from them. No, let's steal from like a makeup blog. Okay. <laughs> that, That's going to be fun to explain to Jim. So, how do you get your hair, you know, nice and fluffy on the outside and full-bodied on the inside? Well, Jim would probably have some advice on that because he has very nice hair. If you have never seen Jim, he has nice hair. But, I have nicer hair. But yeah, pick of the week. So what are you picking, Sam? I am picking the latest season of Longmire. Longmire was a A&E show. 
which was its first mistake. Um, but it is a and E is just a mistake. <sighs> it is an awesome cowboy mystery show, and I like love the shit out of it. It's one of the only shows I watch with my mother, and we sit there and squeal like little fangirls. But it's a really well written show, not just from the whole cop procedural nonsense, but also just. It has really vivid characters. Um, I love the politics between the Res and, you know, the Asaroka County. Uh -huh. It's, it's very it's, different from regular Res politics, which is just like, hey, pay for water. And they were like, no. Scott would know this. He lived that, near that, Res. Yeah, five Reses. Yeah, that's right. And the politics was usually like, hey, pay for water. And it was like, no. Like, season four takes some interesting turns, and also, oh my god, they had Callum Keith Rennie on this season, and he was really scary. No one in our listener base knows what who he is or what he was in. They he was were in not, due south. Yeah, th that doesn't mean anything to them. <laughs> I realize. They this. were born when- Way before due south. They were born at a time when Harry Potter was still a thing. If you're old and remember due south, you're probably still our childhood audience. We don't really have- Marketing, or markets, or marketability. See, now I'm just waiting for, like, Paul Gross to appear in a Mountie hat over Asaroka County, fighting Callum Keith Rennie. I don't think that's gonna happen. But yeah, like, it's it's a really fun show, and the first four seasons are up on Netflix. Netflix did a really good job taking over, um, and like I said, just a really solid season. Um, I still need to read the books, but... We'll get there. And books are written, I think, by Craig Johnson, who consults for the show. Also, cowboys! I haven't had a cowboy show in forever. I am so excited. I have a secret love of cowboys. But you didn't watch Hell on Wheels. You know, I missed out on Hell on Wheels. I'm going to have to watch it at some point. I think it's Netflixable as well. Perhaps Sue would like it. True. But no, her and my dad used to watch it, so I'm the only idiot that for some reason missed out. Plus you you profess this love of cowboys, and then you just tell me lies about not watching all the cowboys. I grew up watching John Wayne westerns, which are semi-inferior to Clint Eastwood westerns. Well, they're, they're I think... They're very different, mind you. I well, there's a key thing to remember is that uh, there's one John Wayne western, the one where John Wayne is the best at everything... And there's some character who's specifically there for him to talk to and be the best at everything and explain how he's the best at everything at all times. Whereas Clint Eastwood is allowed to play characters and have conundrums yeah. and dilemmas and just be shot really, really well. well okay, Stagecoach stage is pretty. John Ford could set a scene. Monument Valley is a great place to shoot movies compared to Cappadocia. But what I'm saying is... Mm. I'll take Robert Taylor for now as a modern cowboy. He's quite good. This 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 show's not about westerns. Um, this week. That could change at any moment. Scott, what's your pick of the week? Uh, my pick is going to another podcast. It's called Batman the Animated Podcast. Uh, it's a stand-up comedian in the L.A. area talking to his friends about one episode of Batman the Animated Series... And then he grabs someone somehow relevant to the production of the show and talks to them. And the friend of his may or may not be entertaining at all, but the guy who was involved in the production of the show has usually got some great stories to tell. And, like, like they 
So they got, for when they talked about On Leather Wings, they got Andrea Romano, the voice director and casting director of the show, to um, come on and talk about the early days of production and just what it was like to set up a booth with all these crazy actors and some of the stories about how they found people, like the, how they got the Beastmaster to be Kurt Langstrom, or how she used some very workplace, you know, sexual harassment area territory to get Kevin Conroy to flirt with her as part of the microphone check. And this became a running joke for the cast, so everyone would flirt with her as part of my check. That's good. And I'm deeply disappointed that the engineer didn't roll tape on that at any point, apparently, because that shit should be all over YouTube. Bob Hastings flirting with Andrea Romano just... Needs to be a thing that is on YouTube. Brew agrees. Brew, Brew voices his opinions in various ways. So we are finishing up Summer of Mecca. Shut really up. Late. Shut up. It's totally not autumn now. I'm not surrounded by pumpkin spice in the slightest. I'm going to drink my normal tea. Perfectly normal tea. So today we're talking about Rocky Like a Hurricane. And by that I mean Bubblegum Crisis. Tokyo 2033. Well, it that that was the that was the title of the manga version, but so Bubblegum Crisis, which is an OVA series from two now defunct studios, Outrick and Tomex. Yeah, they're they're dead now. I don't know but why. But they crafted a really unique girl power show. With Bubblegum Crisis. It, it's like, hey, they are girls, they have cool mech suits like Iron Man, and they fight the crazy robots before they do crazy robot things all over the city. Also, in Fork's time, it was one of the most... Oh, it, it's still fucking beautiful. It's, it's like, gorgeously animated, really fucking feminist, Fork's time, well, which I was think... really great. I mean, especially... Well, I mean, okay, no... An object mm-hmm. is not feminist. No, I wasn't meaning it like that. I know. That. I know what you mean, but I'm going to say that now. And I'm going to say, yeah, but no, it, it it passes the Bechdel test for all that metric matters. And it's a show with four girls in lead roles, and they do stuff, and they're cool. Yeah, like, there's no real, interestingly, a romantic plot line. Well, there's... Douche- in 2040, there is. Well, there's douchebag guy from... Uh, the detective from AD Police. From AD Police, who is constantly trying to date female lead, but then it's like, eh. She and keeps Chris, blowing him off. Chris always blows him off. I mean... So she can fight robots. That's what she's... Gotta, oh, that and her bike. If anything, Chris is more interested in that motorcycle than she is anything else. There's some subtext there. It's a little Freudian. Like, there, there's It gets not, worse in 2040, which oh, I think is Well, hilarious. it gets worse in 2040. <laughs> it's just the whole motto of the TV series. But no, the OVA is nine episodes of just pure... It is... I don't want to say the most 80s anime, because that's probably still Project Aiko. But I think it's up there, though. I like, would say in, it's well, tied. In, in its 80s-ness. I would argue, actually, it is more 80s. Like, but that's just... It might perfect. just be the soundtrack. It's sort of like, Aiko has all the weird tropeliness that Bubblegum Crisis doesn't get into, but Bubblegum Crisis is has literally... 80s sound effects, 80s is, music. Is, is 80s pop is 80s pop music. Well, like, the very first episode, I mean, I tease Scott always about this, but, um, Chris's introduction with this horrid blonde wig. Oh, God. And she comes out singing a song called Like a Hurricane. 
And it's a really catchy little song. Oh, well, all the songs are super catchy. They're, well, they're super jazzercise-y. Come well, on. remember, I mean, if you listen to it in the English version, interestingly enough, like, they dubbed all the songs. Because they kind of had to. They had to. They didn't really have much of a choice. And especially when you go and you listen to the Japanese versions and they couldn't be more different. <laughs> and I appreciate those che- the cheesiness of the uh, the English versions just because I feel like they tried really hard to make it really fun, kind of 80s campy. You know, they were having fun and you could tell that the voice actress who was playing Pruss had so much fun. Right, and this show does have a great dub. It's one of those early standouts. Yeah, like I, I really liked watching this one in English just because... Um, the actresses playing the four leads just, they have a lot of fun and they have really good chemistry with each other. Um, especially the ones who play, um, Lena and Nene. I mean, Nene is your stereotypical youngest cast member. She's a little bit of a baby, but at the same time, like, she has to, I, I don't know if she's supposed to be the viewpoint character, but she's supposed to be. Well, she's your hacker. She's she's the audience gateway, maybe, just because she is the new one? I don't know. Well, I mean, she's got the the immaturity still, and that's kind of what makes her such an identifiable character for a lot of people. I mean, I think young girls in the 80s would probably have looked at a character like Nene and said that they could probably be like her in a lot of ways. Like, that they could go into a profession that is male-dominated. And robot I, hunting. Robot hunting. Not police work. <laughs> police work, well, also male-dominated, but robot hunting is... Super male-dominated, it, usually. It's mostly Michael Bean. It's true. It is, it's It's. kind of just Michael Bean. Well, it's kind of interesting, actually, because you mentioned that Nene's the, uh, the newest member in 2033, and it's cause funny because in 2040 they changed it. It's well, Lena. that, yeah, well... Mind you, they changed a lot of the rules in 2040 because, like, Lena was an office worker... For, like, I think it was the Evil Corp. Yeah. And that was how they got Inside Tell, whereas in this one, Lena is... You know, they never actually specify they, what they, her profession they, is. Well, no, she owns... Doesn't she own the motorcycle shop? That is no. the front for where they maintain no. and go? The, the mechanic and Maki oh, right. are the ones that own it. Celia owns it. Lena, they don't actually specify... She just I, shows up. Well, she might be homeless. She could be a street person. I, I want to say, actually, she's the one who is in the undie store, but then that's also, I think, Cilia, too. Yeah, Cilia just... Cilia owns everything. Cilia is an entrepreneur of some sort. You know, motorcycle repair shops that are fronts for robot factories. And also lingerie, because, hey, you gotta have a side thing. Super feminist. That's what I'm going with. Well, it's sort of weird that, you know, you have a character who owns a lingerie shop. And it's and ne- a motorcycle shop. Well, the, the <laughs> fact that she owns a lingerie shop and it's not just there for gratuitous panties. True. Like, I mean, it, it is not an excuse to have the characters in panties all the time. It's sort of like, well, wow. Interestingly, I mean... Anime. Are you sick? Well, and that's the thing. I mean, you're right. I mean, you don't get a lot of panty shots in this show, and when you do, they're actually done really tastefully because there are usually... no tasteful panty shots. No, but I mean, in the sense of usually, it's because they're getting into costume, and it's not like it's a, you know, here's a, a gratuitous ass shot. You know, it's they're the, usually lacing they... up, and they're usually, you know, also battered to hell most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, insert Pris every episode. Phrasing. <laughs> 
We're still doing phrasing, right? We're still doing phrasing. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, and, uh, the reason why we're talking about it now is that last year, guys over at Animago, which I'm realizing is a bilingual pun now, which makes me like them less. Oh, you're fine. World's it's not over. terrible. World is not over. It's terrible. Bilingual puns are worse than normal puns. They hurt two languages. Who disagrees with you? Did a Kickstarter to uh, remaster it, and it is a fantabulous remaster. Scott also knew it was one of his wife's favorite shows. So I had to get the Blu-ray so we could watch it, so Sam could sing the pop songs at me. Which I did. <laughs> and then I got cool robot battling, which is... So everyone Oh my wins. god, the battle scenes in this series are just mind-blowing. Oh, yeah. They're really great. Like, I love the one about Pris's friend, the one that dies, and she just, like, she completely loses herself in the episode to the point where she just goes solo, and she wants to take who murdered her friend down. But she can't, obviously, she's not rational at this point, and no matter how much she tries to justify her actions, she just can't. And you get these really amazing fight scenes with her where she's just beating herself to hell. To the point where just she's ripped apart, she's completely bruised, and by the time the team gets there and realizes what she's doing, like, Pris is toast. Oh, she's no. just done for. There's there's a lot of really good episodes. Um, my favorite is the Under Siege one where the robots are attacking uh, the police station. Oh, that one's that, fantastic. That floor-by-floor floor running riot. <laughs> That's the one with the... Um... The daughter, right? Yeah. Um, that's the last the police... one, actually. No, it's the second last, second last one. It's the police chief's daughter is the one they're playing escort for. Who actually figures out that they are just some girls in suits. Well, and someone she's... has to be girls in suits. But, I mean, I like the way they did it because she actually, you know, for, for most of the episode, she's convinced that, like, she knows their secret. She's not wrong, interestingly enough, because they really could have thrown it in an episode where they threw it off course and you know, made her confused, but instead they actually let her have that bone and said, yes, we are who you think we are, um, you know, and we're doing our best to protect the city in a way that the police can't, using sources the police just don't have access to. And she actually keeps the secret, which I think was really cool. Yeah, and I mean, overall, it's just a really cool show. Um, track it down and watch it, because it's totally rad. Absolutely. Uh, and then we get to It Gets Worse in 2040, which is the same plot, except instead of, you know, a nine-hour set of OVAs, not even nine hours, like five? Five. Probably closer to five. Five, five hours of OVA. It is 26 episodes of 90s anime. Again. So it kind of gets... It does that thing where it's like, we've got our premise, let's faff around until we get yeah, to the plot in the last four episodes there's, again. There's quite a bit of faffing around in 2040, but I will give 2040 credit in that it continues the tradition of, again, really gorgeous combat scenes, really beautiful animation. I actually like the character designs better in 2040, and that's only because... Um, they, like, like Lena, for an example. Oh, I'm sorry, 80s Lena was really painful to look at most of the time. Well, with okay, the bad, hair. With hair is hair. one thing, but the the lines are, I guess, cleaner because it's the 90s and you have to have cleaner like, lines. Oddly, the only character design I don't like in 2040 is um, Cilia. Because Cilia ends up this crazy, long, silver-haired girl. Whereas I kind of liked in 2033 where they had the... Um, 
She had just a more distinguished look to her. Like, you could tell that she was an actual entrepreneur as opposed to the one in 2040. Um, mind you, 2040 also gives the bizarre sort of incestuous plotline between Celia and Maki, which I admittedly was not fond of. Well, no one says incest subplot as a good thing. But this one is done in a really weird way, considering that Maki is also madly in love with Nene in that particular... It's... Again, there's a bizarre triangle of things. The character interactions just do not ring real. Like, I realize they have more time to play around and you get, like, these side episodes where things happen and that you have silly silliness bouncing off each other but they they just feel more like a set of that they're they've got each one has sort of a set of three or four traits and you just sort of play them down in each scene like cards so but lena plays incest wrong one Celia, <laughs> uh, you mean Celia plays incestuous vibe but 2240's credit I mean, it did some pretty interesting character arc episodes that I really enjoyed. And much like 2033, the 2040 voice cast was actually fantastic. I mean, you had um, Hillary... Early ADV! Well, it had Hillary Haig as Nene, and I like her better than the 2033 Nene. And that's just because Hillary Haig has this voice that's just very... Um, she knows how to play a really cheeky character. Um, I mean, if you can think of some of her other roles... Um, she's a lot of fun, and, um, Monica, not Monica Rael, um, the woman who plays Naga in the Slayers OVAs, she's the voice of Lena, and she also does a really good job, but she gives Lena personality that Lena sorely lacks in 2033, because Lena comes across like such a gag in 2033, minus her character episode, but her character episode is actually one of the best ones in 2033. So it's kind of a shame that she also gets the least amount of personality and the least amount of development, whereas in 2040, she actually gets the most development because she's the new member of the team as opposed to how 2033 did it. I still like it less. And that's okay. Like like I said, I like 2033 more than 2040 as well, having rewatched it again. But there are things about 2040 that I appreciate because I do think they, they did try to keep true to some of the things that 2033 had, especially with the music. Um, again, the combat scenes are really good. The design of the mechs are still great. I, I like the suits, but I didn't like the new boomers. Oh, I didn't like the new boomers either. Um, like that, 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 that kind of fell down. Like the boomers, they were, there were only like really 12 of them in, the OVA. And so they all got to have their own little little quirk. They, they all got to stand on their own and be very different. And I think just by spinning it out to 26 you have to have so many more boomers and there's only so many things you can do that stay within the aesthetic. So they kind of just mash together. They're all samey. I still think Chris had a sweet ass bike in 2040. Motorcycles are motorcycles. That one was really sweet though. But it didn't transform into a robot. It wasn't most. Yeah, that. Out. I mean, that was kind of the downside. Or Mega Zone Twenty Three. Mega Zone Twenty Three was rad. So is the show worth tracking down? Uh, t- well, here's the thing. Twenty Forty is on Netflix. So if you're curious about it, you so can it's just check it out. like it's just out there. Actually, Twenty Forty had such a good opening. I loved that opening. Okay, fair enough. Sorry, but what really I'm catchy. saying, like, 
33 you spend money on, 40 is around and streamable, so there's not exactly a huge excuse other than time. So really our answer is, watch 2033, watch 2040, but avoid Bubblegum Crash. So Bubblegum Crash was... So, uh, Arix and Tomex were not friends after Bubblegum Crisis finished. They, they broke up. It, it was messy. And they both thought they had custody of, you know, little Bubblegum Crisis. Little, just, just a poor kid stuck in the middle of an ugly divorce. And mm. so, uh, Tomex made Bubblegum Crash, a three-parter that was supposedly the real ending to Bubblegum Crisis, but it was shit. It would. It didn't make sense. It didn't look cool. It didn't sound cool. It was actually pretty ugly too. Oh yeah, it was like it was fugly as shit. Like, like th- this was on a non-budget. <laughs> well, and this is coming after again how gorgeous the visuals looked of 2040. It's kind of well, like they're different times. I know, but it's still just it's bothersome because as they, a follow-up to the original, it's sort of like wow, this it's looks embarrassing. this looks worse than the really cheap AD police show. Which we'll ignore because nobody likes eighty. Please. Well, that that's it. Is I think maybe maybe it's the way I, the order I watched them in because I saw Bubblegum Crisis. It's like, oh, this is actually a spinoff sequel thing to AD Police. You should watch that. And it's like, oh, this is about the douchebag. I don't who isn't exactly comic relief in Bubblegum Crisis. Why do why would a, a and he's watch... super sexist in twenty thirty three? Oh my god. Well, yeah. Well, I except. Love that. Yeah, except he's still sexist in AD Police. Well, he's actually worse in AD Police. Well, he's worse, and there's no one there to give him his ironic comeuppets by being super rad at their job like Pris is. He's just like, I'm an asshole, but I shoot the robots. And then there's three episodes of that. And they kept making AD Police shows. Like, Parasite Dolls came out like 12 years ago. That's an AD Police show, by the way, if you didn't know. Didn't they also have that weird AD Police... TV show? Yeah. Like the one that was like 13 episodes. Detective Files. Something like that, which... Yeah, that... It, it's that weird thing where, like... You didn't ask for it, but they gave it to you anyways? Well, it's... It, it's not even like you didn't ask for it. It's like, hey, the spinoff is so much better. It's like Frasier. I'll give you that. I mean, you know, it's Frasier. I mean, Cheers was pretty good, but Frasier... Frasier was better. It was a really good show. Maris? <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I guess my final question to you, Scott, then, is, um, I mean, we haven't really talked about why we're including this sort of in Summer of Mecca. It is a very different kind of mech show compared to a lot of the other stuff that you guys have covered over Summer of Mecca. Well, usually we do talk about the big stompy robots, and this has big stompy robots in the form of the boomers. But that's not really the cool bit of this show. It, it, they're, they're not the selling point. It is It is the hard seats. And I just... They are cool looking. I think it's... I've always been in love with the designs. Like, um, Purses always has the weird rabbit ears, which I always loved. Like, they, they're kind of motorcycle... They do. They look they're, like they're, miter- motorcycle they're, gear. They're, they're stunt gear. Motor- motorcycle stunt gear. Just amped up. And the reason why I brought it in for Summer of Mecca is that there is sort of this tradition of not quite Sentai. Like, not quite Mecha, not quite Sentai. And I feel like that did need some repping here. Well, I appreciate it. And and that's basically what it came down to is I liked it. I watched it recently. It's an old thing people should look up because it's rad. Let's be honest. The real reason he put it on here is because it's one of his wife's favorite things and he didn't want to be in trouble for a summer of Mecca for a change of pace. 
That's case in point. Sam loves Summer of Mecca. She gets to take the two months off from me pestering her to be on things. <laughs> That's not true. It's totally true. She is so glad. She she goes outside to lounge with a margarita every night. I'm recording. Ew, margarita. You know, like a real damn margarita, not that acid green sugar uh, bollocks. And then finally, who's your favorite babe from Bubblegum Crisis? I never actually mm-hmm. learned that. It's it's Pris. She don't she don't take crap from nobody. And see, yet she's not the type I pictured you liking. I really actually thought you were a Nene fan, just because she's cute and cheeky. So tell us which is your favorite girl, man. I'd like to know and why. Other than they're hot. Don't don't give me that as an answer. I want legit answers in some form of relation to feminist theory. Your essays are due at the end of the month. (laughs) I'm joking. Contact Sam at somewheres.someplace.com for extensions. Good night, people. Her office hours are lunchtime. Brutus, do you agree? Yeah, he's pretty tired. Okay. Good night, people. Uh, I thought they smelled bad on the outside. I Thought They Smelled Bad on the Outside is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike International 3.0 license. Visit sbopodcast.com for more shows, contact information, and show notes. Thank you.